Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and we have a special guest with us today, Sharita Humphrey, who has a remarkable story from broke and homeless to the National Financial Educator of the Year. Um, Her bio won't do justice to her story, but I I will read it just to give some perspective of where she's come from uh, and what she's become. Sharita Humphrey is an award-winning finance expert, money mentor, and certified financial educator. She was, as I mentioned, previously broke and homeless herself, and she knows firsthand that financial freedom has a blueprint. She's committed to helping individuals and business owners change the financial trajectories of their lives and companies. She was named the 2020 National Financial Educator of the Year, and her efforts and impact in the community secured her a namesake day on August 24th, 2021. Sharita, welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Your story is remarkable and in so many ways, I think, unique, although perhaps you have uh, some stories and some other folks you've met over the years as an educator and a, and, a, and a coach and so forth. So let's begin at the beginning because I know no other way to do it. How, how did your financial journey begin? Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about how you, how you bootstrapped and have created such an incredible financial background and career. I think my story started from not having money conversations at home. That was one of the most pivotal things that really started me to want to understand more. What was making my, what was making me as a child different from some of my peers? Being able to see them go on certain vacations, be able to do certain extracurricular activities that, of course, my mom raising three daughters on her own, she just didn't have it. She was trying to keep a roof over our head and her head above water. And I remember just seeing her just so stressed out, trying to make everything work. And it just wasn't working, but she was trying. And so I was eight years old and I asked my mom, I said, Mom, how can I help you? And I was just trying to offer some type of support. I didn't really know what that meant at eight years old. And I told my mom, I was just like, let me help you um, put the things, you know, put all of the bills together, try to just organize them. I didn't really understand that at eight years old, but it was just something that I was doing. And it was helping my mom. And I didn't realize that that was actually starting some, the, whether they say the seed for me to be where I am today. But just trying to help my mom manage those things and organize those things was not enough. I knew what it was, but I think this looking back at eight years old, I probably should not have been trying to make payment arrangements. And it's almost funny to me because I'm just like when I'm trying to call and make and call the person on the other line asking, could we have another week or another month to pay this? I'm pretty sure that they heard an eight-year-old voice come across the phone. But I was just trying to do whatever I could to be able to help my mom. And, you know, she had a lot, we had a lot of, you know, trials and and struggles, just like any other um, lower income, what I like to say, lower wealth family, trying to figure things out. And I started to kind of almost become resentful because as I started to go into my teens and, you know, a young adulthood, I was just trying to figure out what is, why do, why do we keep living in this cycle over and over and over again? And I didn't understand that it came from not being able to talk about what was happening. It was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. If, it, if you don't talk about it, then the money, the money or the lack thereof is not real. And yeah, that's, I, that's a, that's a great <laughs> approach. 
yes. Yeah, you know, yes. If you if you don't think about it, it doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Let me interrupt you for a second because I, I have to know: Were you the oldest of the three? I was not. I am the middle child. So You're I guess the I middle have the middle child, child syndrome. Yes. <laughs> the uh, middle child maybe. Syndrome. I, I would have bet my left pinky finger that you were the oldest and that you were sort of becoming one of the adults in the house, but you had an older sister and a younger sister. Were, th- were they equally concerned about this or were they more oblivious to it? Or, or how would you characterize you know, that dynamic? I think that the one thing that I used to get teased about with my, my older sister and younger sister is that I was the nerd. <laughs> I was the person who was always just trying to figure things out, doing research, reading books. And so I think it just became a part of our life. It was our lifestyle. So I don't think that my sisters were so worried as much as I was. Cause they're like, you're always worrying about things you shouldn't worry about. Just be a kid. And so I was just like, I, it just doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. And they're like, well, you're just trying to compare your life to someone else. And I was like, no, I think that there's something that we should be doing. But I didn't know what it was. I was a kid. And right. I think that that's what um, kind of just took on its own thing. And it pushed me into wanting to just get out there and just see certain things. Because I remember looking out of my bedroom window and just talking I know this is going to sound crazy, but as an adult now, we call that therapy. Just kind of talking to us, you know, talking to myself and like, like, what do you see for your life and what do you want to do? And I used to just dream big. And sometimes, you know, you know, my sisters and sometimes in my family, they're like, you're just living a dream in your head every day. And I just remember saying, you just remember them saying that and just laughing. And I was just kind of like, okay, one day, I say, one day I'm going to show you that I'm not just making this stuff up and it's just not things that I'm writing down or dreaming about. And I left home, you know, in the rebellious state, just because I just wanted to be able to create my own life. Became a mom very young, had two small boys. And I think that you know, I was probably not in a position to become a mom. I just knew that I was not going to create the life for them that I, in my head, that's what I wanted for them. But that wasn't the outcome because I did make some negative financial decisions. I'm not alone. And, but, you know, I was trying to cover things as far as food and shelter and taking care of two, you know, two, two small children. And I couldn't do it all. So I was in that position where I, I kind of felt like um, history was repeating itself and I, it did. And I lost, <laughs> I lost our home. We didn't, we ended up homeless. And the day that we got evicted was, I felt like a failure, not from a personal standpoint, but as a mom. And so that just always kind of just hung over our head because I'm like, it would have been different if it was just me, me by myself. I probably could have handled that. But knowing that now I have two small children who are, I'm supposed to make better decisions for for them. It kind of, I think that when they said the, I became, a, you know, they became my cubs and I was just trying to just figure things out for them. And I just remember just thinking, man, we don't have an address. <laughs> and I was just like, in my life, I've had, I said, male became so important to me. That was something I was just like, we don't have anywhere to go. And I remember us just riding the bus because we were trying to figure out where to go because many times we were moving 
um, from place to place and shelters, especially living in a more metropolitan city, you know, the opportunities for you to be able to secure a longer term opportunities for a shelter can be can be challenging because the homeless rate in bigger cities are always astronomical. So I said, okay, what else could I do? And we were on the bus and I just remember seeing the not great <laughs> shady kind of feedy <laughs> kind of motel and I was just like, if it's within my budget, it's only gonna be for a little bit. So I convinced myself that, okay, this is going to just be for a little short time and we'll be okay. Unfortunately, my income and what, you know, finding a new place was going to cost, was not going to be as quick, as easy as I thought. But I didn't lose hope. I just said, okay, we're going to be here a little bit longer. A few weeks turn into a few months. And before we know it, a few months turn to close to a year. And so I was. You're giving me chills. (laughs) (laughs) You're giving me chills because I'm trying to picture I'm trying to put myself in in your shoes at that time as a parent, as a adult, as a human being, and you're literally that you're you're giving me chills because I can't imagine what do you do when there is just no safety net. Um, what a scary thing, especially for your sons and and for you to and you use the word cycle, and we all know poverty is definitely a cycle. I mean, that is right. something that repeats itself routinely. Strangely, wealth is kind of a cycle too. So you're you're living for the better part of a year in a motel with your two sons, mm-hmm. uh, with no mm-hmm. permanent address, trying to make ends meet. I would be absolutely terrified, um, and I suspect you were. Of course. <laughs> I also am hearing I'm hearing some major grit. <laughs> so yes. tell me what, what was next. So for for us, I just, I like, what do they say? I think people have made it popular, especially Oprah Winfrey. That, you know, I just had my ugly cry. I remember just sitting here trying to just figure out, like, what, what the heck am I going to do? How are we going to change this? But one of the things was the things I used to get teased about as a kid is that I love to be able to read. Reading and research was just something that was my happy place. So we would take the bus to the library as often as I could and just pick up books about personal financing, um, budgeting, credit, things that I never knew about, but I was just fascinated by by just reading it. And I remember there was a librarian there. She said, you just keep coming every day. I keep asking about this. And so she was just like, here's some other sections and some books. And it just opened up for me. Like I was, I felt like a kid in a candy store. So I could feel what my kids felt like at that moment. Just like, wow, this is something that I've never, I've never known. And I didn't realize that there was so much that I could do by educating myself on personal finance, credit, investing. And so that became the grit for me. I'm resilient. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to use this information and I'm going to change. But, you know, we always have downfall. You know, we always have difficult thoughts and wondering, you know, am I just now just talking out of my head is, you know, some of the things that, you know, my family and my sisters are saying was I dreaming too big. And I just kept saying, no, I don't know. I lost things, but I didn't lose hope. And I think there was the I think it was hope that kept me to keep going to that library to eventually sign up for things like self financial, which helped me to build my credit. Because one of the things that I did have on my bucket list was to work for the government. 
And, you know, every time all the positions that I wanted, one of the things that they looked at was credit. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is not going to work because my credit is a shambles. So what do I do? So I start reading up on credit, utilizing, you know, their platform, reading financial um, things. And then I just got the confidence to be able to, you know, ask and look for a better position. And I want people to know, because people ask me this all the time, you're living in that motel and you were going to work. Yes. There is a lot of people who go to work and show up every single day and you have no financial idea what's going on. So wow. going, it was going to work and still going there. And who wants to get, I remember not renewing because it was almost time for me to get my, my driver license renewed. And that's what made me have that ugly cry that I mentioned. Um, because I'm like, there's no way that I am going to give the driver license place an address to a motel to get my mail. For, there was just no way. And, you know, the boys were down, I had them in, you know, in the bed and I just started to just cry. Like I never cried before. And I was just like, I just, cause I had, out of all of this, not one tear fell. Not when they evicted us, not when we were looking for a place, not even when I turned the key to go into that motel room, never. But, you know, just knowing and looking back at my picture, knowing that I was up against the clock and I didn't, there was no way I was going to give them this address. I just cried like a colicky baby. I just mm -hmm. couldn't stop. And it woke my children up and I don't know. They always say kids have like a keen sense. They didn't say anything. They just hugged me. And that was all that I needed. That was all that I needed. They just hugged me and I just told them, I said, I'm going to make you guys trust fund kids. I don't even know what this means, but I'm going to change the <laughs> financial trajectory <laughs> that we're on. But I was learning things, and I said, you know what? I remember reading and seeing something, and it stuck with me that um, success leaves clues, and you have to start to speak to things, even when you don't, even when you don't believe them, because once you keep saying them out loud enough, your subconscious would start to believe it. So I started to say those things. I was just like, I'm going to change the financial trajectory that we're on. I said, I'm going to secure something. And I told them, I said, you know what? Give me a few months and I'm going to go after all the things that I'm just telling you guys right now. And I said, I'm going to start to work for the government. And, you know, they're kids. They didn't even understand what I was talking about. But I needed to talk to somebody because after writing so much and those walls start to get start to close in on you. I was just like, they're probably never going to forget this, but I just need to be able to just get this out. So I said that, and that was that was all that I needed, and it just changed my thought process. It gave me renewed strength and additional hope that I needed, and I went after those things, and I started to save and work and do all the things that I needed to do, and I remember going to an apartment complex and I was very upfront with the young lady. I was just like, I was evicted before, um, but I've, you know, I have, I've been putting money back and I just said, you know, I just told her, I was just like, well, I said, this home is not for me. It's for my kids. And so she was just like, okay, 
do these things and I did and we got that place and hmm. I just I just remember being so happy and it wasn't even about when she said that we were approved it was to know that I had an address and that I was going to be able to not only give my kids more space and a new place but that when I got when I went to give an address for my driver license it wasn't going to be the one for at the motel. Wow. That, that I, I, yeah, I'm speechless and I'm never speechless because I, I have a microphone in my hand a lot, <laughs> but, but you have me speechless. I, I have, how old are your, are your boys now? <laughs> so they are now 22 and 21 and it's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been Do a they journey. remember do they remember those days? They, do. you know what? I guess my act of being a creative mom. I think they just think that we were on a long vacation, <laughs> like, oh. and they just had because I just because just because you're in a negative situation doesn't mean that you can't make the best of it, and. I just couldn't let my boys continue to see me cry. You know, when they saw me do that ugly cry that one time, I was just like, I cannot do this. I have to be strong for them. But I had to, most importantly, I had to be strong for me. And so to know that what I told them is now their reality makes me feel like an accomplished mom, if nothing else. Big time. Big time. You, you, tiger moms have nothing on you. <laughs> so let me let me ask you, because you're you're now in a position where and and what an what an unbelievable trajectory. But you're, you're now in a position where you're helping other people see this. You're truly paying this forward now. Right. Um, right. So so would you say it's a fair statement to say you've you've sort of found your calling and that now you're you're trying to get other folks and pull them up? the way that you pulled yourself up? Is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. I think that's a very fair assess- assessment because one of the things that I wrote was that I was going to help somebody else because I knew that I wasn't the only person experiencing financial lack or the lack of financial knowledge because I Unfortunately, but fortunately, I say, but when I explain, there was a young woman who was there with three kids at the same motel that I was living in. That's why I say unfortunately. So that let me know that I wasn't alone. And I think that's what helped me not to continue to feel like a failure. But fortunately enough that I was writing way then, you know, way back then that even if I just helped one person and told them my story, I just wanted them to know that not to give up. And so that's what that line that I always say, I lost things, I didn't lose hope came from. And so I left my government. I, I did say that I've got the place, but I also want you guys to know that I actually got the government job as well. Hmm. I got the government job that was on my bucket list. And okay. I would <laughs> I never thought that 
when they called me and they told me that I got the job, they asked me, could I start on April 1st? And I was like, is this a joke on April Fool's Day? Right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was just like, well, isn't that funny? They were just like, well, you're going to come to your first day. It's going to start with the last. And oh, I did. I started on April Fool's Day. That was the first day. And I will never forget that day because I knew that I was going to do something. And I just thought, I was, in, my, in, my, in my thought process, I'm like, I've overcome so much. I, I know the government is a good position. I worked for a good part, you know, a great um, department inside of the agency, of the agency that I worked for. And so I was just like, man, I can do what I told my, my children. But my mom I used to always tell me, you're a rebel. And I guess a little bit is still in there because a lot of people were like, man, you lost everything. You came back from nothing. Why would you leave your job that you worked so hard for just to maybe start a business, to be able to teach other people and go in a passion? How did you know this was going to work? I didn't. But I remember calling my mom and I said, Mom, although I love my job and I've worked hard to get here, there's greater work for me to do. And my mom said, I'm not surprised. (laughs) She said, you've always been a rebel. And I remember replying back because the library taught me a new word. And I told my mom, I said, no, mom, I'm I'm not a rebel. I was born a trailblazer. Mm. What year was this? I said, I'm going to, this would be years back. I can't believe I left my job. Four or five, almost almost five years ago. Okay, so you had two teenagers. Yeah. (laughs) Two teenagers, and you said, "To heck with this this pension and these benefits. I'm going to go. I'm going to go scratch my entrepreneurial itch, which most people are afraid to ever try." Right. (laughs) Right. Especially after after all I had been through. Well, I, I, maybe that's true, or maybe it's that you know you, you said I, I've I've been there and it doesn't scare me anymore. I don't know. You, know. you had two teenagers, and you said, you know what, I'm I'm going to walk away from from steady employment, and you right. walked away vested, and you'll have a pension, some other things, I presume, right. but or, or at right. least a thrift plan and other things. And I know you've you know I know you've done smart things with your money, or you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting today, but. I, I remember the day that I started um, BFG, and it was 2003. So I'm I'm now almost 20 years at this, and I remember right. borrowing money from everywhere, and thinking, "Oh my God, what did I do?" Describe that experience because I know you work with entrepreneurs. Describe the experience right. of saying, "Okay, I'm taking my safety net and I'm I'm throwing it away and I'm getting on the tightrope." Right. So I had a. I've always been a planner, um, especially. When it came, actually, I became an even stronger planner when I lost everything. But I knew I had to have a safety net, and it wasn't not, it, because I couldn't put my kids back into. I couldn't have let the cycle of losing it again. I couldn't do that, and I was just like, because I had to. I made them a promise, and I said, the one thing my my children know, and we still stick to this to this day, is when Mom Peaky promises, I'm going all the way. 
And so I was just like, I can't break this promise to them. So I was just like, I have to figure this out. And the government was such a blessing in more ways than they'll ever know because it taught me so much. And going from not having much to now being able to be paid once a month. I got, I remember first of the month, we got all of our paycheck for the month. And I was just like, oh, this is good. But people don't realize four to five weeks is a long time until the next paycheck. Yes. And so yes, it I is. had to realize, <laughs> wait, I said, wait a minute. I'm only going to get 12 paychecks a year. Got to make sure that this makes sense. So, oh, yeah. so my expenses, I kept them low. Um, I made sure that we always did. We, we were still able to live our life because I had us on my as a line out of on our budget because I wanted my children not to have to think about whether we were still going to be able to live the life that I've created for them and I promised to them. And so I started putting um, us as a line on, a, on our budget. And I remember telling my coworker, I said, you know what, I'm going to start paying my bills in advance. And they're like, why? We got job security. And I was like, oh, yeah. But then no one knew that I was planning on leaving. Mm-hmm. So one month it became two months of savings. Two months became three months of savings. And I said, wait, let me figure this out. What if I go and talk to my leasing office and ask, can I pay my my rent, my, you know, in advance? And she's like, okay. So I said, I knew I'm going to get a home. Let me just get ahead of this. So I started to do that. So I started planning way out. Even when I started to feel that entrepreneur itch, I didn't just make the dad, the dies. I knew that there were certain things that I wanted to have, like a home. And I wanted to get those things while I still had it. consistent employment. Because I knew entrepreneurship was scary. And I had never been there. And I was just like, I wanted to make sure I was putting myself to do that. So I started putting myself. We got a new home. And before then, I was like, okay, I started marking things off. And before I knew it, I looked at our bank and my bank account and I looked at my savings and I started looking at some different things and I'm like, wow, if, not, if, if nothing else, I have more than enough. I said, oh, man, and this could, I, with the way that I've been doing things and aligning, with, you know, aligning things, I know they said the first two or three years are very difficult for entrepreneurs. So I said, well, let me not fall into that statistic because I don't, I don't want to have to come back to work. If I don't have to, I got to make this work. I came from homelessness. I got to make this work. So I think the safety net of me having an additional safety net, because the department that I worked under, we could, they they were okay with you having outside employment, but it was a whole thing and it wasn't worth me trying to do this. So I was just teaching people while I was still doing this because I didn't want to have to tell them I had another job. It would have been a whole thing that I had to report to my superiors. So I just started to, teach people what I knew for free beta while I was still working volunteering my time teaching people what I know and before then before I knew it people were asking me they're just like well why don't you do this as a, as a job and I was like I, can't. I said I can but I can't um and I decided you know I remember my very last assignment I saw I saw a couple who made more than I thought I could ever do in a, in a lifetime, lose it all. They lost their business. And I think it pained me more than it pained them. And they're just like, it's just, we, we spent all of our savings. We put $500,000 into this business and we lost it all. 
And mm. like we're living paycheck to paycheck despite our careers and degrees and post all of the acronyms behind our name. And I just saw that and I just told them, you lost things, don't lose hope. And, you know, and that was, and I hope one day that they hear this because they gave me, that particular couple gave me the jump that I needed because I was scared to leave a safety net. But when I saw that, I said, you know what, I can't, I can't stay here because there's more people like me, like them. And I left and I remember giving my notice and they're like, you're so young, you have so much life have a great job. You worked so hard to get here. Are you sure? I'm like, I gotta go. And they're like, well, we gotta give you a little bit more time to think about it. So I had to, even though my my two weeks notice turned into six weeks because they said, I want you to think about this for a few weeks before you make that decision. And I never wavered. Even down to the day, I never wavered. I left and I remember them telling, you know, I remember one of my superiors telling me that I'll be back. Ooh. And I guess the, <laughs> I guess the rebel, in me, <laughs> the rebel in me flared up in the inside. <laughs> I'll uh, bet. I would not say that to you ever. I would never bet against <laughs> you for anything. That's, oh my gosh, you just. Yes. Yes, she said that. I will never forget that. And I'm, you oh. know. Oh. And so, I hope she sees you now. But you know what's so funny is, I was I had to I took it the rebel in me, um, let let a little bit of anger come in um, inside of me because I did feel emotionally I felt a way about those words, but yeah. now that I think back, as someone sitting in this position now, she was absolutely right. Because guess what? The same thing, the same work that I left to come and teach people, the government now pays me to do this same work. So I, I teach entrepreneurs <laughs> through state, local, and federal agencies to be oh able my to do gosh. this. And last year, I won my first, I won my first government contract that I submitted, um, and it was teaching entrepreneur and teaching my superiors how to be able to lead in today's new normal. And so it, life became a full circle. So her words, I say thank you. Because the rebel in me was upset. But the trailblazer in me said, was like, she was right. Because you did exactly what she said. You came back, but just in a greater capacity. That's amazing. Sharita, I, I, I need you to do something for me. Yes. Can you do something for me? I want you yes. to make me a pinky promise. Because I know what the pinky promise means. I want you to make a pinky promise that this is not our last conversation. This because is not we're, our last we're running. Okay, pinky promise. Because pinky we are promise. we're running short on time. I wish the show was an hour. Um, we're running short on time. The company you started is Change in Motion. I, I, I want to ask you what you want to be when you grow up. Because I know you're still in wild motion. So what's what's next? What what do you want to be? What do you want to do? An agricultural producer. Farming okay. is my next journey. Farming. Yes. Okay. Now, now, I know you've been you've been buying land already, correct? Right. Right. 
And so, are so? Oh my goodness! So you're going to create jobs, and you're going to create right. abundance, and you're going to create sustenance, and you're going to make a difference in lots of unbelievable ways that way too. Right. My money's yeah, on you. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to teach people in, in the agriculture space what I know. I will never bet against you. I got to ask for an extra credit assignment because the and nobody likes homework. And our listeners do extra credit, and uh, I don't know how to have one takeaway from this, but where I guess, if nothing else, let's come up with one action item, and then tell us where people can learn more about you and, and learn more about Change in Motion. So the action item is to remember that your budget is your blueprint to helping you to get and stay in the driver's seat of your financial future. So I challenge all of everyone listening to create a budget, be consistent, and to know that those numbers will become your reality. Sage advice. Where can folks learn more? So people can learn more about me um, at SharitaMHumphrey.com if they just want to know a little bit more about my story. If you want to know about all the amazing work that I do with small businesses um, and with government agencies, you can you can visit and check out more about me and my team at changeinmotion.co. I look forward to the conversation, and I'm keeping my pinky promise that we're going to come back and continue the story. I want to know more, and I'm visiting you on the farm. <laughs> so uh, this <laughs> was this was this was awesome Sharita thank you so so much for sharing this story I hope it moved some people I also hope it created that moment where somebody says you'll be back and they say watch me hold my beer um, I, I, I love that I love the grit and I wish you incredible success and I know you're changing lives and, and keep doing what you're doing okay thank you so much for having me to all our listeners thank you for listening to another episode of Don't Retire Graduate if you like what you hear please subscribe and rate our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows Please also check out our books, workbooks, and online financial literacy resources at BrotmanMedia.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin changing the way we view retirement. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at BrotmanMedia.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Hi, my name is Sarah. And I want to tell you about my podcast called, Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.